0: This week, on Dig Me Out. With your hosts, Jason Zia and Tim Minnichi.
1: Jay, this week we're back thanks to the folks at Patreon in our Dig Me Out union that has been formed of our community of folks supporting the podcast. We've launched a bunch of new levels. We're happy to report that people have been jumping on them, Jay. Supporting the podcast, helping us kick off a whole bunch of new things that we're going to be doing. Super excited kickoff 2019 with all these new changes coming about, a boot, as they would say. Yeah,
0: we got some t-shirts and stickers to start sending out.
1: Yes, I will get right on that. I have to... <laughs> uh,
0: I will get right to, uh, I've had the stickers on my, by the door to mail to you for about a week now. I got to get them over to you.
1: Please do. I know you've been, you know, dutifully, um, getting those designed and printed and all that kind of stuff. And I handle the, uh, the labor as far as driving (laughs) to the airport, putting them in an envelope, driving to the airport, mailing them that end of it. So that's my, uh, contribution to this process. So, as we're going to get into all the folks that we have thank yous for, but we have a thank you right now for our current guest, who has been with us for another year, Mr. Steven Musinski's back. Once again, Steven's back. Hello, gentlemen. Back thank again. Thank you for having me. <laughs> <laughs> a little Backstreet Boys action for you, folks. What was the last pick? I know that was, you picked the Local H record, right? That was not Dewey, even though he was on that episode. Correct, correct. Okay. That's right. That was a good one. That was a highlight actually of twenty eighteen. Yeah, would say. I
2: was I was I was pleased to hear that. Very pleased to hear that.
1: Tell everyone for twenty nineteen, what have you brought to the table? I
2: brought a record, well, when I when we did that episode after the love fest, I said next time I promise to bring something that I can be a little more critical of. So I'm following through on that promise, but still somehow tying it to local age, uh, which we can talk about uh, in a few. But we're going to talk about (laughs) we're going to talk about Stanford Prison's um, third album, Recreation.
1: Yes. Now, that came out in 1998 on Island Records in the United States and other places, other (laughs) labels. Uh, And the the full band name is Stanford Prison Experiment, which is named after the 1970s. Uh, experiment involving um, Milgram. I don't know if anybody's a psych major. They might know about this. Uh, It was basically you divide a class into uh, half of a class of students into prisoners and half into guards, and you see how authority affects their behavior. And they put them in, like, a prison situation and watched what happened. And there's a movie that was made on it, or made about it. Along with documentaries and stuff like that. So, Jay. Tim. Put down your drink. Tell me, are you familiar with the Stanford Prison Experiment as the album, not the uh, experiment or the uh, actual experiment of the, or the movie? I'm
0: not familiar with either, and I and I don't know why, because we'll get into it, but it seems like it would have been something right up my alley in 1998-99, so uh, had never heard of this band in my life, and... Uh knew nothing about the origin of the name either.
1: I knew about the origin of the name only because I'm a nerd and I like uh, <laughs> nerdy stuff like that. But I was not familiar with the band. Other than I knew that there was a band called Stanford Prison Experiment, but I had never listened to them. I assumed that they weren't like pop. <laughs> that was my only guess. That this was probably a band that chose this name. Because they were like punk or hardcore or something like that. Yeah.
0: There's... <laughs> by, the, by the name, I would assume that they would tour with Dillinger Escape Plan. Right. <laughs> so those two go. bands confused.
1: <laughs> Tell us, Stephen, where did you discover this album?
2: So, the first time I ever saw Local H, two bands opened for them. This was in 98, supporting Pack of the Cats. And one of them was a band that you guys talked about quite a while ago, uh, the Super Jesus from australia oh
1: yeah first season
2: right and then the second was stanford prison experiment and they were um supporting this album recreation so like now in my nerd brain this completes this like trilogy <laughs> of wow. albums that i already knew about that have been covered on the show
1: we covered a whole tour to covered <laughs> yeah that's pretty awesome
2: yeah, so yeah first time ever knowing of their existence was watching them live which is always a fun
0: way to discover a band yeah. yes i miss those days
1: <laughs> yeah we might have yeah. to do this more often we figure out bands that toured together and then try to knock all the bands off as far as reviews or what have yeah. you uh from one by one for each of these tours and it might be a way to go yeah yeah it's an internet.
0: It's an interesting bill. I wouldn't expect uh, the Super Jesus to be part of that, but maybe I need to go back and listen to that record.
2: Yeah. It's a, re- it's a
0: great record.
1: Let's just do a brief uh, history of this band here. The members, Mario Jimenez on vocals. Mike, uh, is it Starkey? Is that right?
2: Good, Good question.
1: Uh, yeah, Starkey on guitar. Dave Ladder on drums and Mark Frazier on bass. This is their third album. This is the second album that was produced by Ted Nicely, who people will know from the Inner Ear studio uh, that produced a number of recordings, mostly of DC bands. But as as we will talk about, this is a band from Los Angeles who ended up recording with uh, that band thanks to friendships with a number of east coast bands including quicksand and fugazi and some others um their first album was produced by see, dave allen i of, of from gang of four he did oh that i one. didn't know that yeah and that label that they're on is i believe his label i think that's correct is that, that one uh, world communication world domination records or
2: world domination
1: yeah yeah. it's uh, Dave Allen and it included bands like Low Pop Suicide and Sky Cries Mary Shriek Back was a subsidiary of Capitol Records let's get into some comments from our patrons just a couple Chris Mart says I loves SPE but this album never clicked with me the way their previous record The Gato Hunch did or Gato Hunch did. Recreation has always seemed a little too slick and refined for my taste probably because it was released on a major label Brandon Trammell says I haven't listened to this record since the 20th century I really (laughs) dug the first two songs but then sort of lost me when they started doing a 311 thing production is pretty great here especially the guitar tones I'm not planning on bringing this into regular rotation or anything but definitely worth a revisit wasn't this 3- a new what
0: 311 thing
1: <laughs> wasn't this a new york hardcore side project of some sort i cannot find any info on them line but i remember this maybe being being group
2: yeah of- so the hardcore tie-in but aside from that yeah just uh just you know, a bunch of dudes, dudes rocking out
1: yep and those were our comments at uh patreon which you can go to patreon.com forward slash dig me out we need to say we got to say some thank yous a bunch of the big changed um, pledges Yes. I'm just going to rattle through these I'm going to say thank you to Tara McCook from jumping from 250 to 1950 thank you to Gary Moran jumping from 1 to 2 Crawford Blair 250 to 350 James Stealthy, to- Wedge 1 to 2 Davey Bright 1 to 2 Chris Martz 250 to 1950 another big jump and welcome, Michael Bond, joining a new Pledger, but that's not all, folks. Thanks to Keith, jumping from 250 to 7. Hayden Smith, 1 to 2. Whitney Bueller 5 to 10.50. Welcome aboard, John Seaman. At the 13.50 level, Ian Wobble, jumping from 5 to 7. Jeff Looney, Jeff from 1 to 2. Son, Seth, check. 1 to 2. Whitney, well, I already mentioned Whitney. Uh...
0: I'll mention him again.
1: Uh oh, Whitney Beeler, it's five to ten fifty. <laughs> I don't know why, but sometimes it it, it shows it repetitively. Yeah, in uh, the notifications over. So I was like yeah, super those... excited. To... Wow, there's a lot of. Oh, I was like, no, these are all doubled.
0: Yeah, those are duplicates.
1: All right, so these are the levels we're talking about, folks. That people are jumping to. If you're joining us at the two dollar level, which is is a dig me out union member, you're going to receive an exclusive dig me out union sticker that jay has designed you're going to vote in our monthly album review polls you're going to be entered into our contests. you're going to get a thank you like we just did and of course you get to join the conversation on our patreon page if you join us at the seven dollar level which is a representative this gets you a t-shirt after three months union rep union representative That's pretty cool. Now, if you join us at the 1050 level, you're a union counselor. Now, what does that mean? You get to start suggesting topics for our roundtables. And when our 80s album reviews come up, you're going to be able to pick. You're going to be vote on what we're picking out for that as well. You get the T-shirt. You get the exclusive steering committee sticker. And then, of course, we have a steering committee level at 1350 again you're going to be a steering committee t-shirt a sticker you're going to be voting
0: in our polls and but this one's different in that this is uh you don't get to pick the roundtable stuff but instead you get to pick a record there you go so for those of you that have that have joined us for a while in picking records this is uh one of the tiers the new tiers where you can continue to pick but also get all the new benefits the the exclusive steering committee t-shirt and and uh sticker as well right
1: and then last but not least you mentioned i i previously mentioned the 1950 level this is basically the 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 top level the administrator union administrator you get to pick a 90s album uh after 12 months you are suggesting topics uh for our roundtables you're casting a vote for those roundtables episodes you are making suggestions for our '80s episodes. You are receiving the T-shirt, the sticker, the monthly polls, the thank yous, the all the swag that we give away—records, books, that kind of stuff. You—it's all, it's all there. That's the—that's uh, the penthouse suite for now.
0: And, and so, there's three different, three different T-shirts and stickers that we'll, we're going to do. So, if you're in the administrator level. I think at this point we're, we're looking at only allowing 10 people into that, so there's only going to be 10 of those shirts printed up and 10 of those stickers given out. So, And you're pretty much picking everything. <laughs> you're
1: running the show. Right. And we'll be posting all the – the uh, the first roundtable is is set every year. We always do the 20-year the anniversary roundtable. So we're doing 1999, and then next year we will go backwards and we'll start at 1990. For 2020 we'll be doing – 30 years did that that sounds terrifying
0: oh my god for real 30 years jay it's how can stuff. we
1: talk about music when we were only four years old when that happened <laughs> right
0: right right i know <laughs> we were uh very experienced musically at the age of four
1: <laughs> exactly um but all of our roundtables for the rest of the year will be committee votes and deciding on uh, what we're going to review and when we're going to re- what not we're going to review. But what topics we're going to cover? That'll be our our steering committee will be handling those picks. So those those will be coming up soon.
0: Let's and uh, Whitney Bueller has already chimed in on a bunch of '80s records that he wants us to review as oh, part of the steering he... committee. So oh yeah, I'll, I'll hit two here: uh, Kiss Unmasked and van halen fair warning
1: whoa wait
0: <laughs> what <laughs> i'm just saying there's there's many others here but those are two that really Appeal to you
1: <laughs> i was hoping we would get to like a replacements record or uh... he's got
0: some he's got some king's x in here i like where he's headed if you don't like it you better join up and vote them out because pretty much at this point it's going to be uh, whitney and the three folks who are in the director level oh, there you go 80s 80s records so
1: now can there be a coup can these people that are on the steering <laughs> committee be moved by some sort of a, a hostile no, takeover they're in all right let's get into this record now we've 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 built it. it up enough or we're well into this episode and we haven't even talked about the damn record recreation 1998 and that's misspelled by the way i don't know there was no copy editing on this album release it's not spelled with a w (laughs) folks i don't know what's going on jay tell me one thing you liked about this record
0: uh i love the guitars really cool riffs on here very diverse um too Uh, it covers a lot of ground that i like uh so a song like contusion reminds me of criteria which is a band i like a lot oh yeah good call little mathy in in some ways, a but a big meaty riff. There's some stuff that sounds a little bit at the drive in ish, but angular. It uh, gets a little punky at times um, from a guitar standpoint, but just really creative. There's a couple songs that have some effects that are kind of cool. Like they do some, like, either bends or, like, slides, and then they put an effect on it that really creates this really cool. Um, Sound and just overall dynamic. So I like the guitar a lot. And I, is there only one guitar player in this band, Steven? There is. Yeah, so it's pretty impressive that what's going on guitar wise. Um, I, I would imagine seeing this guitar player live would be pretty exciting. Not, not, not a ton in terms of like solo work or even like uh, leads. It's mostly riff and noise oriented. Um, he
2: he has so much nuance in his playing yeah i I feel like he offers like you know like he's not doing he's not doing anything complicated he's not doing Mm -mm. any wizardry he's just no super tasty
0: yeah it's not uh it's subtle but um i think when you dig into the record you realize a lot of what's going on on the record that's good is guitar driven i had a good time um, just listening to the riffs and the parts and just how they put them together and, really, you know, pretty creative, and, and for the most part, like I said, it covers a decent amount of ground so you don't get too uh, you know, he'll it, it, do some downtune stuff, and it'll get a little chuggy, but it doesn't turn into a monotonous, de-tune, detuned uh, riff fest um, it, it hits you where it's tasty and there's some groove-oriented things like that, but it doesn't get stale, I guess, in any one particular approach to guitar here. I mean, it's all heavy and hard rock and alternative rock oriented, but um, really enjoyed uh, the guitar quite a bit. And uh, you know, it, it just overall, the the band itself, in, in the same way, uh, covers a good amount of ground, a lot of territory that I like um as well. From you know, you hear things on there that are anthrax or the hives or even a little bit of nirvana or um some post-punk stuff um you know it covers quite a bit of ground just as a band as well so uh, i think that's the kind of the highlight for me
1: yeah i I will agree with you on the guitar stuff i got uh, in addition to the stuff that you mentioned i heard a lot of page hamilton from helmet especially Mm -hmm. in the stuff after meantime more in the vein of like betty and uh aftertaste and, and some of the stuff that came when they were it was less of a um you know just like chugging uh, heavy riff and it got a little more nuanced and he he started expanding what he was doing. Also reminded me of Jay uh, Robbins at, at certain points with his guitar playing, especially when you get like he would do these big dissonant uh, bends and stuff like that and just like you know Jay Robbins has, can be very tight on the guitar and and do just the absolute you know minimum perfect for it for what he's doing. And then he can throw in some like really wild and crazy leads that are, are not leads in the, in the, you know, sh- showy sense, but just like these, you know, big sounds I'm thinking of like a song, like, but of course has some like really cool, uh, guitar lead stuff, uh, on that one burner as well has some, has some really cool stuff that I connected with. Um, I also like the, the bass, sound on this record there's a couple points where that pokes out um like sweet talk where it almost gets like a um like a jesus lizard kind of sound on some of it uh or fugazi when the bass kind of gets a little uh more mid-range as opposed Mm -hmm. to the the more groove oriented stuff um i liked that sound as well from this band when they when they let that Cause then when the guitar kicked in, it was more even made even more of an impact when they drew it back for a second and let the bass sort of take the lead instrument role. Not, the, not in terms of playing leads or anything, but just in terms of being the, the center of the, of a verse or something like that where the guitar isn't playing. Steven. So you mentioned that this was not necessarily something that you were like, you know, head over heels in love with uh, before we get into stuff we don't like. Uh, just talk about the stuff that from uh, originally res, you know, getting the record to maybe now what you've liked and what you've enjoyed about this record.
2: So I, I think that, because I, I hadn't listened to this in years um, I didn't even listen to it before picking it. I just kind of, it's it's been on my short list and I just went for it and then listened to it um, It's uh, I think the thing that stood out to me most this time around was the band's sense of rhythm overall. Like they just they really know how to play with grooves, and and you like you were talking about using that bass so effectively, let it, letting that bass cut through, and the guitars will either cut out or even just like add little subtleties here and there, and then they bring everything back together. Um, but yeah, there's just there's a sense of of rhythm that this band has that um, really stood out to me this time. And I, and I'll say too, initially getting the record, I you know when when I saw them, I enjoyed watching them. And you know, Jay, you mentioned the guitar player must have been fun to watch. I, you know, I was a young buck. Like I said, this was one of my first few shows. So, this was one of the first times I ever noticed um, an extensive pedal board. A guitar player using, uh, you know, all sorts of effects, and and I was kind of like, you know, brain blown a little bit there. Like, what is all that? What what is he doing? What are, <laughs> what are all those different pedals? Yeah, you know, I have a distortion pedal. Like, what 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 else has he got up there? Hmm. Um. But yeah, the vocals were always the toughest thing. Like, like I wasn't sure that I liked the band um, when I first heard them. It took a little bit for for his voice to to kind of settle in for me. I'm curious uh, if that's going to come up uh, in, in what you guys <laughs> didn't like about the record. I'm hard pressed to believe that it won't.
0: Yeah, I want to follow up on the the comment you made about the rhythm. It's um they do a good job of playing off each other and knowing when to contrast and when to sync up. So there's times where uh, the bass and the drums are going one direction, the guitar is going another, um, and then the vocal will kind of bounce around and either be locked in with the bass and drums, or locked in with the guitar, or doing its own thing, and then they'll all come together and it gets huge. I'm with you on that uh, rhythmically. There's a lot going on here. It's it's it gets pretty sophisticated. Almost I don't want to say mathy, but you know it gets fairly complex in terms of how they're pulling and like. Pushing and dragging and doing different things dynamically and with the rhythm uh, I, to be able to create dynamics.
2: I, I think I'm a War at track three is, is maybe a, a perfect example of that. Um, you know, they, the chorus of that song, I don't, if you just isolate it as a chorus, it's not really like a great chorus or anything, but they, they connect two, two verses together off the beginning, they hold off, they like, you know, use a little restraint. And so then when they do finally get to it, I feel like it's more effective than if they had just gone into it after the first verse. And I feel like that's kind of them playing to their strengths, you know? Like, yeah, we can't necessarily write a big, huge, great chorus, but like, you know, let's let's tease it and then let's get back to it, you know? And the same thing with the riff, like they use that verse riff. And then after the second chorus, he like beefs up the chords and just really puts some muscle into it. And it just, it hits so hard. And it's it's just smart songwriting, I think and playing to your own strengths.
1: So yeah The vocal Um, (laughs) That song I'm a War Which musically I really like And Extinguisher track 6 Are the only two That I really had an issue with In terms of He seemed to be doing a sort of rap Metal sort of thing On those tracks (laughs) Just in the verses the chorus is he goes to a more traditional vocal delivery but when i heard those so- and i didn't think of it at 311 it cuz that to me <laughs> sounds more like with a bad reggae like affectation when i think of 311 maybe that's just half of them but i i heard there was definitely something going on where it, the the staccatoness of his voice and the and the delivery was much more in the vein of like a rap metal and it's not like super like, was... offensive, but there are some rhymes in there that are just like <laughs> so like blatantly bad that they're, it only accents the the rap aspect of it even more. I think it's
2: totally poor man's uh, Rage Against the Machine. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, and it's it's just not necessary because his voice is serviceable. I mean, he doesn't have like some amazing voice but it's it's fits the music perfectly fine but it just it made me like really focus in on what he was doing and and like i kind of lost my train of thought I'm, i was like what is going on here with these two songs it was really the only tour i was like mm, i am not down with this like the other oh, stuff where there's maybe there's some tracks that like the melodies aren't as inventive or the chorus doesn't really do much but I wasn't like flabbergasted at the choice like I was with those two tracks. I don't know. Jay, did you have that issue?
0: Uh, I didn't as much as you guys did, or at least you did. You did. Um, uh, I definitely think I'm awards better than Extinguisher. I guess I heard more in his delivery, like an at the drive in or even Joe Strummer ish clash kind of delivery. Like, He's just pulling up enough that it doesn't, to me, sound like rap. It's just a staccato, like, spoken kind of delivery at times. Um, But I just like the range that he can deliver. And I don't mean range in terms of, like, you know, he's got some, like, crazy vocal range in terms of, like, hitting notes and stuff. But just the different types of singing and melody and, and, and use of rhythm that he's able to pull off across the record. You know, he can go from sounding like Richard Patrick from... I was the name of that band filter filter um to sounding like at the drive-in to sounding a little bit like kurt cobain to you know he, he covers quite a bit around yeah. here and he can also deliver a melody when he needs to you know there are a couple p- spots on here um where let me see here my notes oh he also sounds like the guy from the whole steady to me at, in moments like baby ticker like when that kicks in and it goes right to that vocal. I mean, to oh, me that yeah. first section of that definitely sounds like them. So and he's
1: letting loose a little bit. Yeah. With his vocal. So
0: I hear a little bit of girls against boys. Like he's got that kind of tone, um, that d- deeper tone too. So I, I, didn't mind the vocal. And in fact, I mean, it, it fit the music well and came together. Well, um, yeah, there are a couple moments, uh, like on a song like extinguisher where it gets a little too rap for me. Yeah. I and mean, that's probably one of the, my least favorite songs on the record. But, uh, I think all in all, the vocal I would say was either neutral or uh, positive.
2: I'm uh, I'm totally split on the uh, so I I don't like extinguisher like I would I can definitely lose that song. I think it's a great riff, uh, and there's some cool guitar happening in the chorus. But yeah, he raps through that whole verse, and and then when the chorus does hit, it's kind of it just feels lazy yeah um uh, but i'm a war he, he he does like the bouncy rappy thing for a minute and then he kind of goes into more uh of a sung vocal like he doesn't stay there for the whole verse so i can let it go and and i just i don't you know i just raved about what was going on musically in that song so that's that's definitely enough to pull me through uh but yeah extinguisher i can't i can't do that one i probably could originally but these days that's
0: that's a, that's a track skipper. And so, and something like Burner to me sounds like especially the chorus sounds almost hivesish. Yeah. Like uh there's a little vocal thing in there the whole harmony or something they do that really it's very popish. Um so there are moments here and there where it, it goes to some unexpected places and I think it's pretty successful.
1: Well, they're not afraid to use some harmonies like on track 5 Fine Line which is you know kind of an album track kind of song it's slower but they do some harmonies or he does some harmonies i don't i I think the guitar player does some backing vocals but i don't know if he does that live or you know just live or if he does that on recording as well but they definitely on certain songs really hone in on the vocal like you mentioned with burner j and they do something a little bit almost poppy um i think my i my issue with the vocal being not all that like you said it's sort of neutral on it is that all of those people that you mentioned have a distinct vocal and he just sort of inhabits a different style from song to song yeah. and i wish he kind of would develop or would have developed something unique to him his own voice as opposed to me going, well, this is a little bit like a Jawbox song, and this is a little bit like a Girls Against Boys song, and this is their helmetish song, and this is their quicksandish song, and this is the lizard Lizardish song, and like I, I, and it's all sort of, you know, if you take his vocals out of the equation, this is a pretty, you know, interesting and diverse sound musically, but it's his vocal that's sort of like has to it has to inhabit like the singer of that genre in order to make sense and i kind of i kind of i just wish there was a little bit more personality i guess to his vocal even if it wasn't necessarily note perfect i just wish there was something to identify that oh yeah this is definitely uh mario from stanford prison experiment so i just i'm just not getting that from him
2: yeah, I think that's a, I think it's a fair criticism.
1: But it's not a vocal I don't want to listen to. That's the, it's a fine line. Like, it doesn't really move me, but I also don't. I'm not bothered by it. Like, he could have a bad voice, and I'd be like, oh, I don't want to listen to this dude sing. You know, he could be screaming the whole yeah. record, and then I'd be like, ah, I don't want to do this anymore.
2: I think musically and and production-wise, like you know, I think when you when you factor all that in here. I think this is enough to get you through. What, did you guys, would you have any thoughts on the track 10, uh, Mashaka?
1: I like the bass tone. That's what I wrote down on that one, Jay.
0: Yeah, this was the one I had. Girls against the boy, girls against boys, on my as my notes. Um, cool bass tone. Um, the guitar has a ton of dynamics going on. I, I think in this song it, it's a little less riff based and more like bass groove and guitar kind of uh, creates the dynamic intention, which is which is a little different on the record. Most of the other stuff is. You can tell more of a, you know, guitar riff based song. Um, I love the breaks where it goes from the verse into that uh, um, alternating guitar part. I think those are um, right. Did really you really clever? Like,
2: you know, when I when I heard that and I, and I was taking notes on that one, I I thought to to myself that um, they kind of use that almost as a chorus, like, and and that's something that Jay, you actually whether you remember this or not, you pointed that out um, about a Tad song uh, from Inhaler that you guys reviewed forever ago where they kind of like used a guitar part as a chorus. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I had heard that song a hundred times before, but never thought about that. And uh, so when I, when I heard this song, I kind of had that same thought. I was like, I feel like they're kind of using this as a chorus. Mm -hmm. It's just kind of, it's there between verses.
1: Yeah. Using the melody, the guitar melody. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And this is one of the songs where um I have this note quite a bit. I mean, the the drums are just pounding sometimes, like, oh man. Yeah, and so- the dynamics are great, but there's just sections where it's like, man, he's just <laughs> he's just slamming, you know?, uh, the snare is just like so forward and, you know, um driving, yeah, um, in a good way, in a good way,
1: yeah.
2: did Sweet Talk give you like did you guys write down any band band name influences
1: under Sweet Talk out of Curiosity? Fugazi? I wrote down. Yeah,
0: I can see that. Jay. I had a, at the drive-in.
1: Yeah, I had it at the drive-in too.
0: Total at the drive-in. Yeah. Even the way the way it starts with that like those guitar chords are very kind of angular and odd and what you would totally hear from that era at the drive-in.
2: Yeah. Yeah, like like in casino out. Mm-hmm. Could totally hear that. Uh, and the last song, you know, was, is Interesting is that the last song, written apology, is actually from the first album. Uh, they hmm. re-recorded it, and on the first album, it's track three. Huh. So I'm super curious as to why they decided to reach back and pull this one out. And you know, I, I compared the two versions, and they didn't really change anything um, about the song structure. I mean, obviously, hmm. it's a, it's a much better production, the the major label budget with the Ted Nicely production on the, on the recreation version. But yeah, it song wise though, it's, it's pretty much exactly the same.
1: Hmm. I (sighs) that's a weird choice to do that. Yeah.
0: And it does, it's, it's, it's maybe the most like epic song on the record. Like it covers the most ground. It's one, if it's the longest, if not one of the longest, uh, songs on the record that's interesting that uh it's that old i wouldn't have expected that it almost sounded like this maybe where the band was starting to head as opposed to where they had been The the riff is interesting like it's very aggressive but it almost sounds random like uh but somehow still has some melody to it i mean so it's a pretty interesting guitar riff um but yeah definitely uh to me it covered the most ground in terms of uh just you know dynamic and just felt more epic than some of the other stuff. Yeah, that's interesting.
1: So this came out in 98. I We usually talk about, uh, you know, where this fit into the landscape at that time. Um, I can't see this as a radio band in, in 1998. They would, you know, they're up against like second Foo Fighters record as far as like what rock is breaking through this it would have to be way poppier to get with to get on radio at that point with or you'd have to go really into the new metal direction like maybe you take a song like i'm a war and you could put that out as a single i don't know if they did or not i think they did that would be the only shot i would think because then maybe that gets you well, into I mean, like, the Rage Against the Machine and Corn and.
0: Well, At The Drive-In's record is, the, their biggest record is, what, a year, two years after this?
1: 2000. But that wasn't, I mean, that wasn't really a big, that's a big, like, sort of indie album. But it wasn't like
0: K-Rock was, was
1: stations a... were playing that across the nation. Or... Mm, no. They, but was,
2: they, they did was... end up on uh, Letterman or something, right? Didn't they?
0: Yeah, they were spo- it was supposed to be big. I mean, there was a major investment made in that, um, in the band and in that record, which ended up ending the band. But uh, <laughs> there were certainly, like, in- industry, the, the music industry was sniffing around bands like this at the time. Um, yeah. Trying, trying to find the next thing. and now obviously, they had a whole, like, other thing. They had an image and a stage show and, like, a lot of other stuff going on. But uh, from a sound standpoint, I think it's... This is close enough that um, I think you can make the case that they could have been one of those bands that try to get a major investment put into them from a marketing standpoint and um, like at the drive-in. Actually, they're probably more commercial than at the drive-in just sonically. From really? a songwriting point? I okay. think so.
1: Hmm. I kind of I kind of do too. I guess you're right. I mean Yeah. Really,
0: at the drive-in stuff is very I mean very abrasive. Yeah, I, mean, I like it, but it's not Yeah, you're right. As- concise as this is sometimes i mean some of these songs are what like let me look at the times here we've got uh several songs on the three minute and under oh yeah uh, 215 245 218
1: no you want to be in that like three to three thirty minute three to three thirty second um 30 seconds range if you're if the song's too short it's almost not good like (laughs) if it's like 215 that's not really a radio song they they'll want like an extra chorus. You know what I mean? Yeah. So you've gotta hit that like three minute sweet spot to be in the to have a good radio song. Alright, let's talk about overall ratings on this record. Worthy album, better EP, decent single. Jason, where you at?
0: I think it's worthy album. The only uh actually the only song that there's two songs on here I don't like when we talked about uh, Extinguisher. Um, I really don't like the opening track, Compete. I think it sounds um, too Nirvana-ish. It's too predictable. The chorus is lazy. I don't think it's... To me, it doesn't sound like the rest of the record at all. Um, but other than those two tracks, I, I like everything else. Um, you know, it's 12 songs at that point. If you took those two off, you're under 40 minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's pretty pretty solid record.
1: Yeah, I concur with you. I think cutting two tracks and getting this to just 40 minutes makes it a really solid listen um i would probably also i'm not a huge fan of i'm a war i know that that's a liked song but i would probably i maybe cut with that one too but that's about it it's a really interesting record and it sounds good loud so that yeah that helps production
0: the the production's pretty great
1: yeah yeah steven so i'm i'm at
2: a worthy album uh i agree cutting two songs but i i would cut extinguisher and i would cut spin uh track 12 that's one that didn't come up and i would move contusion later in the record uh i do happen to like compete i'm actually surprised uh to hear you say that that would be one that you'd cut jay um but to each their own uh Yeah, I think compete really sets up the album nicely and I've made a playlist where I just kind of skip contusion and you know, t- three bangers right off the top, compete, I'm a war, high tower and then kind of levels off a little bit with fine line. Um, and I think contusion's a great song, uh, but just for me it really it really kills the momentum like you you know, I love the opener and then boom, it like really just takes it down and you know i think it's it's showcasing a different side of the band um especially if you hear the previous two records um so i think i, I think i understand why they put it up front kind of wanting to show off a new side a new a new angle but yeah for me it just like it's a buzzkill off the heels of compete so i would reorder that shit
0: i uh i i didn't have spin highlighted so i'm with you that one sounded like a 90s Anthrax song to me.
2: It's it's it, I feel like it's it's the band's it's a lot of their same formula that works on a lot of these other songs. At work, it just kind of it's like, well, you've already done this like three or four times, and you did it way better on those. So I don't know what are we doing here? This is forgettable.
1: <laughs> yeah, I just wrote album track.
0: Yep. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Which can be fine. I mean, you need album tracks. You can't just have all you know bangers and singles right right yeah i, I think s- but i yeah, you, my, mentioned, uh, you mentioned porn tape bangers and singles <laughs> oh god
2: <laughs> i think for me i think nails that get nails that stick up get hammered down which is a great title in my opinion uh i think that song is a perfectly fine album track yeah like, it's not a standout, but you know, it does its job. It doesn't, uh, the the bridge kind of like re gets my attention. So, it's a good song. It's an okay, it's a perfectly okay song.
0: That perfectly okay. On the album. <laughs> Bands love to hear that. Your song is just perfectly okay. <laughs> it's nice, it's pleasant.
1: It's fine, it's just fine. Uh, Steven, thank you so much for suggesting this record. Um yeah. Tell us what you're up to.
2: Well, Hollow Earth is uh actually the band minus me is in the studio right now as we speak in Connecticut uh working on drums. Hollow Earth, this is Hollow Earth I'm speaking of. Yes. And we go back to track the rest of the guitars, bass and vocals in February. Like early February 10th into March. Um so yeah, LP3 is on the way, and I imagine we'll be doing some more touring uh, this year and certainly into the next to support it. So that's what I'm up to. In the meantime, I'm just enjoying San Diego and not being uh, anywhere near snow.
1: Is it a full-length EP? What do What are we looking at here?
2: Uh, full-length. Excellent. Full-length L- LP3.
1: LP3. Is that the working title, LP3? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that is the working title. <laughs> Where can people go to find... The previous albums and and listen to stuff.
2: Oh, they're out there. We got Spotify, Apple Music, I believe, iTunes, of course, um, Bandcamp. Um, yeah, they're they're out there. Most recent album is Dead Planet. If anybody was interested in checking out the band, that's where I would. That's where I'd point
1: you. Excellent. And of
2: course, we're on social media. You know, the Twitters, the Instagrams, the Facebook. It's all there
1: excellent we want to remind everyone like we did at the top of the show patreon.com is the place to go patreon.com forward slash dig me out to join the conversation on this episode upcoming episode vote in our monthly polls and be eligible for quarterly giveaways also if you like what you heard please consider leaving us some positive feedback on over at iTunes so that's it for Jay I'm Tim we're out and we'll be back next week with another episode of Dig Me Out
0: thanks for listening to support the podcast visit www.patreon.com forward slash dig me out and become a monthly subscriber at www.digmeoutpodcast.com where you can find links to our Facebook Twitter and Instagram pages as well as our merchandise store at Zazzle.com.